This is Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks, where a spirit board conversation sparked our spiritual evolution. I'm Shale. And I'm Cheyenne. And each week, we explore a world where there is much more than meets the eye. So pour yourself a drink and join us as we cheers to a witch in good time. Welcome back, everyone, to Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. Um, First of all, thank you all for your patience with the last few episodes where we've had some technical difficulties, um, you know, stupid situations like Shale forgetting to fully make sure that the email was sent with the link before closing (laughs) out of the window and then going to Alaska for a week. So we appreciate your patience. Um, We are back with another very special episode with a very special guest that we are so excited to introduce to you all. Um, And we will introduce her shortly. But first of all, before we even jump into what we're drinking today, um, the state of the world is pretty chaotic right now. And I think that's putting it very lightly. So um, because we are very community centered here um, and we are all about, you know, being in space together, um, I thought it would be really important for us to just hold some space really quickly before we get started for what is happening in Ukraine. Um, I'm going to get all emotional. (laughs) Um, just hold some space for what's going on in Ukraine. I know all of our hearts are very heavy. Um, and also holding space for the people in Russia that did not ask for this, but are now thrown in the middle of it all. So just wanted to acknowledge that. Take a quick moment. Um, if you can, if you're able to, and you're not driving while you're listening or something like that, if you want to light a candle or some incense and, um, just join us together in sending love and energy and intention to Ukraine and all of Europe and everything that's going on in the world. And maybe at some point we'll be experiencing some peace here, but until then, community is what's going to get us through. And we all hold you in our hearts that are experiencing um, the pain that's associated in the world right now. And just wanted to collectively say thank you for being a part of our community and thank you for sharing this moment with us. So. All right, so that aside, um, I wanted to just go ahead and jump in. Um, so do we just want to start with what we're drinking today or do we want to start with introductions really quick? <laughs> I think let's start with what we're drinking and we'll do our lovely guests last because I know that once we start the introduction, I'm going right, to- that's like, what I was worried about. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like, I don't think roll stop. forward. So what are you drinking? Let's start it with you. What's in your cup today? All right. So admittedly, I literally just walked in the door from my run because I am doing a new half marathon training. I'm not going as crazy this time. So I'm being kind of lame today. I just have a a vegan protein shake here, but because the herbalist in me can't be, you know, taken out of the equation, I do want to give a shout out to one of my favorite herbalists um, from Cedar Hill Homestead is the um, company that she runs. And she has this amazing little adaptogen elixir. That's really hard to say 10 times fast. And um, adaptogens are just herbs that help us literally to adapt, right? To adapt to external changes, what's going on in the world, bodily changes, whatever. Um, So it has lots of really yummy herbs. It almost has like a chai effect to it. So it has ashwagandha, shatavari, eleuthero, makuna, maca, cardamom. We know we love cardamom. That's why it's in here. Um, clove and cinnamon. So it adds a little bit of pizzazz to my otherwise really boring protein shake. But yeah, what are you drinking, Cheyenne? 
Well, one of my toxic traits is expecting celestial seasonings tension tamer to be my therapist <laughs> and fix my life. So I'm drinking tension tamer because it has a badass lady in a red dress on a dragon on the cover. And I like dragons. And it makes me feel empowered just looking at it and reading it. And I'm going to read you what's inside of it because I think it's nice. It's an Emily Bronte quote inside this box of tea today. Oh, cute. No coward soul is mine. No trembler in the world's storm troubled sphere. I see heaven's glory shine and faith shines equal, arming me from fear. Mm, I think that's very relevant for what's yeah. going on right now. I love that. So, uh, drawing on one of our literary witches to give us a little bit of extra oomph today. Um, so yeah, tension tamer. It's basically therapy. <laughs> <laughs> you should be their new marketing person. Sponsor us celestial seasoning. If you're in Colorado, <laughs> you're technically drinking local if you're drinking celestial seasonings because they're in Boulder. So it counts. It does count. All right. So let's introduce our lovely guest. I'm going to introduce you by name alone first, and we'll ask you what you're drinking, and then we'll continue and actually talk about who you are and why you're here and all of the fabulous things that we have to talk about today. But Leanne, what are you drinking? Hi. Um, so I'm drinking peppermint tea. It's mm. my go-to pretty much every day it's soothing it's zingy yeah I love it <laughs> I love it I'm so excited okay so Leanne are you comfortable with me saying your last name <laughs> yeah didn't actually ask you okay so we're joined today by um by a friend of mine Leanne Bradwick who I met in 2014 on a volunteer trip right that was 2014 um in Botswana and we volunteered on a uh, wildlife preserve together and we're fast friends and tent mates mm -hmm. and we haven't really spoken a lot outside of just kind of keeping tabs on each other on social media for the last few years so it's been really fun to kind of watch from a distance um kind of both of us evolve from the people we were um you know, six years ago in, in that mm -hmm. tent in Botswana and, and just see you thriving, which is definitely the right word, <laughs> I think. Um, so you uh, are a self-described narrative jewelry artist, yeah. which is like that title. I'm sorry. It gave me chills. I love it. I think that is just such a beautiful, like, what do you do? I'm a narrative jewelry artist. Like, how cool and boho and amazing and fabulous does that just sound by itself without you even describing what it is? Um, so I want to give you a little moment to just kind of introduce yourself to our listeners, who you are, what you do, and then we'll, uh, we'll draw our tarot card and then we'll dive deep into uh, what narratives you're currently exploring in your jewelry making process. So. So hi. Um, yeah, I'm Leanne. I'm from uh, rugby in the Midlands in England um, and I live in a van um, and travel around collecting folklore and fairy tale stories from around the UK um, to make narrative jewellery out of. So at the moment I'm in Scotland, um, I've moved up to Dumfries and Galloway and I've been here for the last, just going to say about 10 months now. Um, and I am 
I've been working on collecting local folklores and fairy tales from Scotland because there are one of there are no better places in the world than Scotland and Ireland and these kind of countries for these kind of tales. They are really magical. So I'm here for a bit and um, been doing some research and then I will be selling the jewellery with little books to keep these tales still being told. My heart just grew like a billion times. <laughs> I'm so excited to be talking to you, Leanne. You have no idea. Seriously, I cannot wait to jump into some of these stories. Um, we'll talk a little bit just about the Fae in general. We haven't really touched on the Fae in our podcast yet, so we'll do a little bit of a quick and dirty 101 before we dive super deep. But before I get too ahead of myself, as I am wont to do, let's pull our card for this week, for this day. Just what, uh, what can we gain from spirit? Ooh, fun. Okay. She wanted to be pulled. She always wants to be pulled. This is one of my favorite cards. Uh, we've pulled the three of cups today. Oh my gosh. Which we she pull is a often. Theme in this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we pull often, especially in guest episodes, actually, mm -hmm. now that I'm thinking on it, we pull the three of cups a lot. So three of cups is our, it's our friendship card. You know, it's just like, it's the card of community and coven and collective. And I just think we all desperately need that connection right now. So um, three of cups embodies the vibrant, loving atmosphere of true friendship. The three reminds us to take time to be joyous, to celebrate and to show gratitude to the wonderful people who bring love and happiness into our lives. Three festively painted teacups sit stacked upon each other the calm, quiet remains of a joyful gathering of friends. Each cup is unique in its ornamentation, but they complement each other quite well. A large purple rose sits in the foreground. The rose is in its fullest bloom, symbolizing mature, healthy, vibrant friendship. Two candles in the background have been burning for a while, but have plenty of time remaining to burn. Take time to enjoy yourself and the wonderful people around you. Go out and celebrate. Dance, laugh, and be happy. Show gratitude to the many wonderful friends and family members in your life. I think Three of Cups is also an invitation for us this week to, you know, we're, we're talking about that, that feeling of, of dread, of heaviness, of overwhelm. And I think Three of Cups is a good invitation to, to help where you can and to uh, connect to your own communities and find that kind of, there's great resistance and power in joy. And so I think that's our, that's our invitation from spirit this week and today. Um, you know, Mr. Rogers, look to the helpers. That's a three of cups card. That's the vibe. So, I feel like emotional. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that was like the that's, perfect card for today. <laughs> that's babies. I love it. This, uh, this deck has, has cared for us very well. I, uh, Eight, the artist um, who designed and created this deck is somebody I would love to have on the podcast at some point. Um, so putting it out there, Kevin, if you know them, because I know some of you do, reach out and let them know that we're cool and worth talking to. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound desperate at all. I know, like, please, help please us come hang friends. out with us. <laughs> oh, too funny. Okay, so. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, again, 
Um, let's talk about just the fae, fairies, fair folk. There are so many. It's this. This is a topic that you could literally only have a podcast about the fae, and you would have infinite things to talk about forever, right? So, an elevator. I'm like trying to like elevator pitch fairies. <laughs> and all the things that encompass them. So it's, it's a wide umbrella. And I think based on kind of where you, uh, where you come from background wise, uh, where you live currently, there are uh, very regional specific um, names and titles and kind of attributes that are given to these, these beings, these creatures, these energies. Uh, the, the fae kind of live along, I would say how I view this is, is the fae, the fae, fairies, fair folk, whatever you want to call it, um, kind of encompasses all of these things like genies, gnomes, elves, they're, you know, based on where you are in the world, there are a lot of different names you would call these brownies, sprites, pixies, they're all just coming at me now, like <laughs> words. Um, but they kind of exist alongside us in this liminal space, this in between, this, um, this space that's neither here nor there, um, but, um, uh, but we can all kind of interact and, and touch on those energies depending on what our intentions are, <laughs> um, and what their intentions are too. The Fae can be extremely benevolent. They can also be extremely dangerous and, um, malevolent and there are different, you know, it's, it's just like people, right? I think if you're, if you're interested in working with the Fae and figuring out kind of how you can, uh, interact or invite them into your own kind of spirit workings. It's the same way you would approach any of your spirit guides or even just a new person, right? It's, um, you want to be really clear about your intentions and you also want to be very clear about their intentions. So it's really important to go in, you know, with, as with anything magical, right? Um, with respect and knowledge, <laughs> um, and, and take your time and do that research. Because again, this is a, this is a topic we could literally talk about for weeks and never cover all of the, the different facets. So I'm excited to kind of dive in, um, with like the tangible stories that you are working on Leanne, um, in your art as well. So I kind of just want to, yeah, let's just hand it over to you and let's talk about, let's talk about narrative jewelry making, how you came to jewelry, and then kind of talk about what you're working on specifically in Scotland right now too. Any stories that you're loving? We can, I'm saying a lot right now. We'll like, <laughs> we can help guide this train a little bit too, but kind of wherever the conversation starts and takes us, I just want to give you the space to chat a little bit. Okay. Um, so starting off with the jewelry thing, um, I went to art and design college when I was 16 and uh, I always, I'm a creative like I knew I wanted to do something creative and um so I went on a course that gave you like loads of different tasters in different types of art and um so I did fine art I did graphic design product design I did uh fashion and nothing quite hit the spot and then the last um the last segment of this two-year course was jewelry and that for me just really hit home like being in a workshop like I grew up in my grandpa's workshop doing carpentry when I was a kid and like um all this sort of stuff so being in a workshop and then having a craft that 
like really sing to me anyway because I love the I love the sentiment behind jewelry and I love the it's art that has like deep meaning and things like that um people you know they have a wedding ring and they keep it for most of their lifetime um like it I that's what I loved about jewelry so um yeah I pursued it from there I went to uni um in Birmingham um where they have the jewellery quarter, which produces the most amount of jewellery in the UK. Um, so I studied there uh, for three years with, and I did fine jewellery. And then I did a year's top-up course for computer-aided design, CAD. Um, so using computer programs to make jewellery. And then, um, yeah, I worked in the industry for a couple of years. So I was making like, jewelry on I was working in a casting house I was working in the CAD department there um but I always knew that I wanted to get back to making my own stuff so by the time I took a couple of years out of doing my own work whilst I built the van and then I'm just starting to get back into it now really um so yeah when did you when did you start your van build how did that how did that whole life process happened was van life something you were always working towards did it kind of just happen it was something that um so I grew up with friends where their parents had done it so I'd heard all the stories of um people living in buses and big trucks and traveling around all the festivals and all this sort of stuff and it really excited me so I kind of from a teenager knew that that was something I really wanted to do and when I finally hit a point in my life where I had the money and I had the, well, it was time to go and find a new home, time to move out of mum's house kind of thing. And I was, I was like, right, let's do it. Let's, I'm going to build a van, get out a van. So I bought a builder's van um, and it was kind of a hunk of junk when I got it, but it had good mileage on the engine and that's what I was told was a good thing. So uh, yeah, I had windows put in it, uh, did a load of welding work to it, and just I got obsessed with the build. And it took me doing it, working full time, and then building it on the weekends. It took me about fifteen months. Yeah, about fifteen months to build. Um, so it was quite a long process. Like every time you did something, every time you came to something new, you'd have to research how to do it, like electrics. I don't know how to do electrics <laughs> and you have to <laughs> go and learn how it all works first and then attempt to put it together sort of thing so yeah got totally obsessed with building the van that um, is something I hear about like people who do do like a van build is the empowerment almost that comes with it because you start off not knowing any of those skills right but it's really up to you to figure that out along the way and so do you feel like you got a sense of that as you went through the process Oh my gosh, yes. It was something that before I bought the van, I hadn't even picked up a drill or anything like that in my life. I was completely incapable with that sort of stuff. But I was just, you know, headstrong. And if I'm going to, if I want these things, I'm going to do it. So you just learn along the way. And I had an old neighbor across the road um, who I would be sawing something on my driveway and he would just shout across the road that doesn't sound right 
<laughs> and me being stubborn and headstrong to start off with I wouldn't let anybody help me yeah. um and then he he just kept going like that you like change the settings on this um like you're making your life really difficult for yourself and eventually I let him help me and it was something that was yeah a really beautiful process really beautiful um I learned a lot of skills through that not just the building things but like having patience (laughs) I was trying when I built I bought the van I was like oh yeah I'll have it done in six weeks and (laughs) god that was so stupid Um, (laughs) so unbelievably starting from scratch um and because I was trying so hard to build it so quickly I made my life even more difficult for myself and then when I finally surrendered to it I was like do you know what just enjoy the process and by the end of it I was yeah it I I absolutely loved building the van I was I would happily do another one again tomorrow it was such an empowering experience to gain all these skills to gain confidence in myself learn my triggers and things like that like yeah it's testing it's really testing but worth it that's fabulous I feel like jewelry is that way too right like Mm. a, a fair amount of patience a lot of it's it's kind of similar to something like like I watch like glass blowing Mm-hmm. And you, there's like a certain amount of failure you have to accept. Yeah. And if, if you can accept it, that process becomes a lot smoother, right? It's like, yeah, saying that same thing, getting out of your own way. Um, but watching from afar at your van build was fantastic. And if it's okay, we'll definitely post some photos of, of you and your life. Cause I yeah. think people would love to see your van too. And it's absolutely gorgeous. You did a fabulous job. Thank you. Yes, it's um my tiny princess house, I always call it. It's my little boutique on wheels. <laughs> that <laughs> is little... so cute. Does it yeah. have a name? Uh so untraditionally, my van is a boy. Um, most vans are a girl, um, like ships are, but I I didn't get that memo when I named him. So he's <laughs> a boy. And because I am a sucker for terrible jokes and I'm an art freak. Uh, he's called Vincent Van Gogh. Yes, <laughs> I love that so much. That's so good. So we have a friend, um, Sam, from Toil and Trouble, who uh, has a friend who has a van also. Um, mm-hmm. It was actually recently stolen, um, which is mm-hmm. a whole other story. But his van's name is Carmen Van Diego. <laughs> yes, I love it. Beautiful. <laughs> So yeah. very cute. I love it. Um, and you work out of your van too, right? You have like your jewelry bench set up all, all there contained with you. Yeah. Um, so the front counter has, um, I can clamp a bench peg onto it, which is what I work off. Um, and then I've got a, a tool set up in the van kind of thing. So I can be out in the woods or down by the beach or something like that and just making a way and yeah making beautiful things in beautiful places it's very exciting I, I love it that's my zen zone <laughs> and so how switching gears then how did this current project come to be kind of what did you decide to go to Scotland first did you you know what kind of sparked this this current collection that you're working on I 
I came to Scotland because I needed I needed a new start from my previous life it wasn't nothing on purpose nothing logical I was just I'd been made redundant from my job in the jewellery industry because I kept telling them that I was going to go travelling um, and then Covid hit and I didn't go travelling but because the jewellery industry got hit really hard um, with gold prices going up and people not buying those kind of things at that time um, they had to make cuts so I got made redundant and I was I got my dog I got my dog Tila and we had a couple of months of really lovely like quiet time um, but then I needed a fresh start I needed to find another job somewhere else and living in a van I could go anywhere like it was I didn't have to stay in the Midlands anymore I could go and do and be somewhere that suited me um I had a friend that lived up here already and she said to me um oh come up here um well originally I was meant to be moving to the other side of the country I was meant to be moving to just outside Edinburgh um and I got so I was driving up and she was like, oh, come to Dumfries and Galloway first. Um, there's a party going on um, at this uh, community um, and we'll go there for the weekend and then we'll go over to Edinburgh. And when I got up here, um, went to the party. This is the place where I live now, actually. Um, it was really exciting. And then when we were meant to be going to Edinburgh I lost my van keys not on purpose like totally by accident my van keys went missing for a week I left I lost them in the woods <laughs> and so it was kind of just the universe telling me to stop and my mum sent me the spare setup I went over to Edinburgh but I didn't get the job on the farm my friend did but I didn't and I just knew in my heart that I wasn't meant to be on that side of the country I didn't resonate with it in the slightest it wasn't there wasn't half as many like woods and trees and hills to climb it's very like green uh yellow fields and sand flat sandy beaches there so I came back to Galloway and that's how I ended up in Scotland um I got a job working with an arts community up here um artist network and then this is where I've started to be like, I really, they are helping me uh, develop my own practice. So I started the folklore jewelry thing in, at uni, but cause I put it down for a few years, I hadn't looked back to it. And now it just seemed so right to, you know, find the local stories, find, because Scotland's got, loads of different creatures and things like that like the national emblem is a unicorn so it it was just Fantastic. everything just seemed to fall, fall into place really yeah yeah <laughs> um did you ever find your original set of keys <gasps> it did um yeah. it that was another slightly strange story um so that woodland that I lost my keys in um tree cutters came and cut all the trees down because it was a plantation and um I know this was something that I was really stressed out about because I really loved that woodland that was a really special place for me um but 
they yeah they were so going around cutting all the trees down they found the keys and I'd already been speaking I tried to stop them beforehand like I was like no don't cut down the trees and um so when they found that when they found the keys and they were like do you know anybody whose these are and I was like they're mine like I lost them <laughs> months ago oh, and uh yeah they yeah so they came back to me which is really really strange <laughs> Well, it's just so funny thinking about, about fairy stories and, That's and what I was thinking too. <laughs> like, who stole your keys? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. They who definitely was like, this lady's supposed to be here. Like, yeah, we got to help nudge this in the right direction. Oh, I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Let's dive into fairy stories then. What's, what's Scotland got for us? What have you been learning? Well, before, before we jump into that, I'm really curious too, Leanne, yeah. um, just, I guess, selfishly speaking, because I've been on this journey too of, of understanding ancestry and folklore and all these stories and how they interweave into our lineages. Um, it sounds like from what I'm hearing from you is that you're, you've been interested in storytelling and all of that for quite a, while, a long time. It almost is something that led to you even living this lifestyle. It was the stories that inspired you. So would you say that that's something that's always been a, a tie for you or or what drew you to things like folklore and storytelling specifically? Um, do you know what? This only clicked with me today. I have, yeah, subconsciously, because it has for a long time, it's been very subconscious um, mm. that stories really have driven my life. Um, and so one of my little life mottos is live your life like you're trying to write the best book possible mm. um so yeah you kind of I guess in my own little way I'm writing my own story and the thing that I like most about stories is well with the folklore stories they and the fairy stories they they tend to be moral guidances and they are meant to be stories that evoke emotion they each story speaks something different to each listener you get what you need from the story and there's something really beautiful in that um they are the tales that used to tell children so they didn't um wander too far from home and all this sort of stuff like don't go into the woods because you don't know what will get you kind of thing um so there's a lot of that kind of stuff like there's a lot more to stories than the face value they're something that their lessons their teachings and storytelling is something that is as old as time so it's something I just feel is innately human that's that's how I feel about stories and I've only really just sort of clicked in the last sort of few months whilst I've been what since I've been in Scotland like actually this is something that is really powerful and really um poetic so yeah I am sort of pursuing a bit of a job as becoming a storyteller myself this is something that I'm gonna start working on and um get in touch with people so I can because I'm learning all these stories anyway I might as well pass them on 
verbally um my jewelry passes it on but I never even before I never counted myself as a as a storyteller I was a jeweler like that's how I saw myself I make jewelry I just wanted to make jewelry that meant something that had something with depth um and so it was only when I came up to Scotland I was like oh so you're a storyteller and I'm like well better start owning that because uh (laughs) apparently I am (laughs) well isn't isn't that actually like a job that people have in Scotland I think I was listening Mm -hmm. to I don't know if you're familiar with the Fair Folk podcast but that's it's all about storytelling um Mm -hmm. and she actually brings somebody on that is like by trade a storyteller he gets hired to come to events and tell stories and I just think that's such a beautiful way to dedicate your life and to be able to just make a living that way is incredible because like you said it also passes along the stories to the next generation as well Mm -hmm. yeah so there are little academies and things like that for storytelling in Scotland Um, amazing (laughs) there is the Scottish um, Storyteller Forum where there is like a collective of storytellers and like an association it is taken very very seriously here which I think is fantastic like it's really quite magical and yeah story should be seen as a proper proper career proper working path like the arts is absolutely a fundamental working job (laughs) but I mean getting like more meta about it I guess isn't that Mm -hmm. what the entertainment industry really is at the end of the day is we pay Mm -hmm. a lot of money to watch people tell stories right they may not be traditional stories always but you know it's it's something that really brings humanity together in in a way yes definitely um there is nothing more powerful than you know sitting around a fire with people you do know people you don't know and it's not just telling you know stories from a book you tell your own stories you tell maybe your family stories and things like that it is just yeah it's part of being human in my mind I love that that's beautiful um so let's tell some stories okay like what's what's a what's one that's particularly resonant with you whether it's related to a a piece you're working on or not like just what's a fave um so there is the traveler and the kelpie that is one that I have read recently and I'm that really excites me it's um I brought a couple of I'm not at the point where I can read stories off the top of my head just yet but I brought a couple of books along with me so I can yeah read your story please do oh my gosh yeah. I'm so blessed right now. I know I'm so excited <laughs> um so yeah um for anybody who doesn't know um kelpies are creatures that live in locks and burns in freshwater um in scotland and they traditionally come out of the they traditionally are seen as horses saddled horses quite often by the side of fresh water but sometimes they come out as other versions as well um sometimes you can see them as an old man or in the story that I'm about to tell you um it comes out as a beautiful woman so bear with me just a second 10 out of 10 if there was a random saddled horse by the side of the lake 
I like no question would walk up and be like, hey, we're doing things together now. This is why I have weird fairy stories is because I don't think all the time. <laughs> exactly. They like, are... oh, pony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pony. They're, they're not the nicest of creatures. They are, they're going to pull you to your, de- pull you to the depths and they, uh, they kill people. They're, they're not the nicest of folk, but. Cheyenne would go them. willingly. She'd just be yeah. like. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you a, me. I'll tell you a story. Uh, after this one okay okay um it was a rough january night in those distant years when men made long journeys off across country the rain had stopped and the moon showed briefly between heavy clouds the wind was high a traveler descending later than he had intended from the moors found his way barred by by a swollen stream for a while, in the darkness, he hunted up and down for a route to cross, but there seemed no way to save him but a stone in the midstream. The current surged around it. Unhappily, he stared at the racing, glinting water, and then through the tossing winter bare trees for a glimpse of moonlight to aid his passage. But the moon had vanished for the time being. Taking his courage in both hands, he retreated two or three paces, ran forward and sprang for for the rock. He landed safely, catching hold the wet stone for balance. Now he must leap to the further bank. The distance was greater, but the landing was safe. For a moment he paused, however, and that was his undoing. As the water surged past, it seemed to him that the rock was floating, moving backwards up the river. He felt a little dizzy and it seemed that the rock was starting to spin. Was it in his head, or was, this, or was there a voice actually rising from the depths of the stream? It was a song, a Kelpie song, which told him that by trampling on the stone, he'd waken the maiden from her dream among the weeds and sand in the bottom of the river. In consequence, he would be her plaything until dawn lit the sky. At the hour of nine, she would appear before him, even in his dizzy or bewitched state, the traveller realised it must be nearly time as he stood there. He tried to pull himself together and make the saving spring for the river bank. But before he could do so, there was a gleam in the water nearby and a flash of illuminating the streaming rocks and racing surface for the river. For an instant, he was dazzled, then beheld the Kelpie with her train swimming easily in the current, glowing with light. She was riding on the back of an otter. He had heard that Kelpies were dreadful creatures, but this maiden's face was fair, and as the rock ceased its spinning, a glow of warmth stirred within him, for he was a young man. Her hair flowed to her feet. He saw with strange pleasure that it was entwined with wriggling eels, her slim body decked with river reeds and iris leaves. A necklace of coral-hued newts was about her throat and shoulders. Her lap nestled two frogs, Around the otter and her trailing feet, the water glistened with a myriad of minnows and sicklebacks. His eyes glowed as he regarded her. She was not unaware of this. For quietly, she glanced up at the young man on the rock. She did not speak, and for a while he was too dumb. Then he remembered that Kelpies, so it is said, were unable to speak to mortals in the air, 
only from beneath the water in their own element. His voice returned. It was a bold, halting speech that he made, punctuated by periods of silence as his words and ideas ran dry and the exquisite Kelpie rocking gently in the waves of the river made no response. He admired her beauty and inquired her home beneath the water. He told her a little about himself and sought personal details of her life in exchange. He wondered, even if he dared beg for a lock of her hair. Perhaps in his adore and enthusiasm, he overstepped himself, for suddenly the otter stopped paddling. Webs spread athward the stream. With a plunge and a dive, the whole calculade vanished beneath the tor- turret. The light was extinguished. His eyes were now accustomed to the darkness, and the young man stood lost on his stone in the middle of the stream. While the Kelpie was there, it seemed that the warm waters had blown around him. Now the chill January winds returned from the moors. Slowly, his vision began to return, though she was gone. From the bed of the stream, the Kelpie addressed him. He had been mistaken in the expression he thought he saw her mouth and eyes, for his warmth and tenderness was not returned. His questions, she told him icily, would be answered when he reached the further bank of the stream, provided he did so before the first light of dawn. Yet that would never be. She spoke nonsense. The riverbank was only a leap away. He prepared to jump and then found to his astonishment that he was unable to move a muscle. He grew impatient with himself, but it did no good. Still a statue that remained rooted to the spot. The rain came and again drenched him to the skin. Slowly, imperceably, the ragged moon dragged westward across the sky. Ten o'clock came, eleven, midnight, and by two he was sure it must be dawn soon. A thousand times he thought he perceived a faint brightening through the trees, and for the time the rain came sleet and the darkness continued. At length, however, deeply chilled and exhausted by vigorous by the rigours of the night, he became aware that the eastern sky was really turning pale with the first light of the new day. The young man moved his feet, his legs so stiff that he nearly fell headlong into the turret. He rubbed his muscles. In an agony, the blood felt like it was back to his limbs. After a few minutes, he dragged and leaped clumsily from the rock, landed halfway in the water and dragging himself to the bank. For a moment, he listened and spoke to the Kelpie, but there was no reply to save the ripple save the ripple and the splash of a brimming river. Then he looked away, and as the light grew, continued on his journey down the moors towards the lowland farms and small township that was his destination. The face and the vision of the Kelpie would haunt him for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. I wish, so I know all of you are going to be hearing this in an audio format, but I wish you could see the radiant way the story comes alive through Leanne right now. Like the soft smile you have on your face the whole time as you read this story, just, uh, my heart just feels so full. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Thank you. So how are you collecting stories? Like which ones, uh, like what, what passes muster as far as, as taking one from just you know, the storytelling aspect to actually creating a tangible thing that you can hold or wear or adorn yourself with. Uh, kind of what's that creative process like for you and choosing which stories to celebrate? So at the moment, I've been going around talking to people, um, local people about the stories 
that they heard growing up as kids or about local places um, and really getting into the real like nooks and crannies of the local culture. And so when I'm, for this project, for this collection, uh, my main focus uh, is healing. Um, I feel like that's something that everybody needs a little bit of at the moment. It's something that's very potent and these stories tell there's some really beautiful stories of healing in these things, whether they're healing herbs or healing of relationships and friendships, um, communities. So that's where I've been going with this. I've been going out into the community and asking them what stories they remember and whatnot. And there's been a really beautiful, uh, really beautiful response to it. Um, I've had a lot of people join me for to tell me stories and then they come back weeks later and tell me that they told someone else the story because they'd forgotten about it and bringing bringing these tales sort of out from people's subconscious and back into the living day um which has been really beautiful but from taking it to uh just audio and uh verbal storytelling to put it into into jewelry that's something that what i look for is something i look for the symbolisms in the tales i look for um the visual elements that they're really beautiful within themselves um, and to create interesting pieces. Hang on, lost my phone for it. So yeah, taking it from the story to the physical pieces, I'm definitely looking for something that's quite visual. That's why I like the fairy tales and the tales of like the creatures and things like that because um they are there's a lot of room to play with imagination with them um everybody every culture has their own different types and things like that like the word uh the reason I quite liked the previous story was because it was so descriptive of this woman riding on an otter and all this sort of stuff um so there's a lot of room to play with that side of things um but I'm because I'm getting back into my practice and I haven't actually started making the jewelry yet it's something that I'm still going through the process of learning myself I'm still I still need to sit down and do the designs do the collection um and I think I'll ex understand it more once I get into my flow of that but I want them to be pieces that are visually beautiful within their own, but have the story behind them, which, so people can keep going. People can say like, oh, I like your, I like your necklace. And they'll be like, you can say, oh, there's a story. And then you pass on the story and it just keeps it going. And it has that ripple effect. That's what I want. That's what I want out of this. I want that ripple effect. The ripple effect title. <laughs> it. 
Um, that's gorgeous. I love that so much. And I think there's um, just so much magic in that kind of alchemy of creation. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see this go from, you know, this research concept to, uh, to that full fledged collection. And it'll be fun to kind of just keep, just keep keeping tabs on you that way too. Yeah. Um, do you have any personal Faye stories living in a van in the woods in Scotland? I feel like that's rife with opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm really curious about your personal connection with the Faye and if it, it goes beyond folklore as Cheyenne's kind of alluding to. <laughs> um, walking through the land up here, you just know that you're not alone. You really yeah. do. It is one of those places where you hear, I don't know, a stick snap from behind a tree and you're like, oh, I wonder if that's friend or foe this time sort of thing. <laughs> but I'd like to think that, you know, I've got positive energy and the, the fae won't cause me any trouble. Um, have I got any personal, well, I guess losing the keys in the quarry is a personal fairy story. Right? Like, I think that's fantastic. I think that's probably my best one. Um, I came across a burn the other day and I... I just had that very instinctive feeling of, yeah, a Kelpie lives in there. It was just so, the waters were really dark and whatnot. I was like, yeah, that's not going to put my feet in that water. There's definitely <laughs> something living in that. <laughs> no, it like wasn't even, it wasn't even a question for you. It was just straight up fact. There is a Kelpie living there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Once you start reading into these stories, you see them everywhere. You see um you know um there's a lot of like descriptive stuff about where they live and all this sort of stuff so I'm just taking my dog for a walk and I was sat at the top of a waterfall the other day and in the top of the at the top of the fall there was the fairy pool so you just you just keep an eye out for them and hopefully one day they'll actually show themselves to me but uh yeah, they, you just know they're here. I haven't actually seen one yet, but I know they're there. I can feel them. <laughs> I feel like that's, it, it's that, that knowing, that feeling, that's so much of what magical living is, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's trusting that intuition. It's being open to the possibilities that we're not always the main character <laughs> yeah. in the story and that, um, you know, other things are existing simultaneously alongside us all the time and impacting our lives in ways we don't even realize. Um, I was thinking about this on my drive uh, back home from the airport this morning um, and realized that I actually have like had a fairy practice for my entire life that I've never like connected those dots on either. It's like you realizing, oh yeah, I'm a storyteller. Like that's mm -hmm. what I do. <laughs> um, but I've always, anytime I travel somewhere, ever since I was little, and I don't know what sparked it, probably like Tinkerbell, Peter Pan fairy vibes, like I'm assuming, <laughs> yeah. um, but I build fairy houses anytime I travel somewhere. Oh, and I just, I just, cause it's always really important to me to be outside and to connect with nature anywhere I travel as well. So it's like, I built one when we were in Greece, I built multiple fairy houses in, in Africa when I was in Cape town. And I, you know, like even just 
like going to visit my nephews in California, I taught them how to build fairy houses. And we were in the redwoods and we just like collected all these bones and twigs and sticks. And we made this beautiful little place. And I've just, I've done that. Um, so I'll share some pictures on our Instagram later of just some little fairy houses that I've built on vacations over the years. Um, but it was really interesting because I've never, I've never connected the dots spiritually there. It was always just like a fun, creative little thing that I liked to do. And I never expect, never expect anything in return from it. Um, but it always gives you that nice little feeling of like, oh, I've, I've, I've given back to the protectors of this land um, or to the keepers of this space. And I've just, you know, like thanked them for letting me exist in this space alongside them. And so I think there's just, yeah, it's just like, it's paying attention, right? And just thinking about those little, those little moments where you, you have that knowing and that instinct and that greater connection with something kind of beyond that I think is really nice sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any face stories, Shale? I, I really don't. Um, <clears throat> I think my kind of connection with the Fae is more around the folklore and, you know, my pursuit of understanding my ancestral lineage. Um, and so, I mean, other than just losing stuff and not knowing where the hell it went, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, something that I think is really cool about Irish folklore in particular, and it's it's almost not even folklore. It's almost this is the way things were um, in, in history, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I'm sure Leanne, you're, you're probably familiar with this, but there was actually um, a race of people known as the Tuak de Dananan, I think is how you say it. I'm still working on the, the pronunciation, but um, they're what eventually became the she, I believe, which is another term for fairy. And it's the, the whole concept of the underground and people moving to the other side. Um, and when there was the conflict between humans and the Tuak de Dananan, um, that's when people went underground um, and the she became more of that liminal, <clears throat> excuse me, liminal being versus being like a, a presence like we know in, in our mortal plane. Um, and I think the most special thing that I love about the whole story is that there was love that still existed, even though, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got like a frog in my throat. <clears> throat> okay, we're good. Um, but even though uh, there was conflict between humans and um, this group, there was still love and there was still people that came together in a romantic way and then had offspring. And so that's what continued the lineage of people in Ireland. And so um, something that a teacher of mine said that I think was really exciting and really special is that if you are of Irish descent, you actually have fairy blood at some point. And just knowing that is so magical. <laughs> And I know that that exists probably all around the world where there's other, um, you know, elemental beings before, you know, human race maybe pushed them out or people went to a different place or, or whatever that looks like. But I think the whole concept of opening ourselves up to the other side is almost reconnecting with a part of ourselves that we don't even know exists because we see us as like us versus them, right? You know, like humans versus the other side and that there's this mystical, magical place that we don't understand but opening ourselves up to that is actually us reconnecting with a part of ourselves that we've just lost, right? So no personal affiliation, but I do want to understand that element of it a lot more and how we can, I don't know, just return back to our understanding of these multiple planes because nothing's linear and it's all complex, right? <laughs> I love that. 
a little bit of fairy blood in all of us. I know. <laughs> I am building a fairy house for my garden this year, though, because Lord knows, even though I feel like I have developed a bit of a green thumb, we can always use the help, right? <laughs> so do you have I would love plans a space for it? Yeah, so I have this big, beautiful maple tree in my yard um, near the garden that feels like it's kind of a watcher anyway. Um, and it's got this really awesome base. I've actually kind of fought with my husband about it because it's growing all these like little extra maple sprouts around it. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, like that's extra growth. We should cut it back. And there's just something in me that's like, no, all that is like it cushions it. You can't get rid of it. There's just something that won't let me do that. Um, but right at the base of it, I feel like it's just a perfect place to nestle a little fairy house and then they can watch over the garden and the chickens are right there too. And I just think it'll bring a lot of harmony to the space. That's so cute. I know. <laughs> I love it. But don't let these lovely, sparkle, sunshiny fairy stories trick you because they are not all sparkly garden watchers. And you need to pay attention to who you're working with and do ample research as always. And if you would like, I can tell you a cautionary fairy tale. Ooh, we all love cautionary tales. <laughs> cautionary. This is my other uh, personal fae story, which happened last summer um, in Colorado Springs in the Devil's Crag Wilderness area. So... I went I looking for trouble. Tone you're bringing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's because I had I I went I went a little ego for well that's not necessarily fair or true. I went for a hike with a dear friend of mine, and we had the intention to just spend the entire day in the woods and just reconnect and be in nature and be fully unplugged and present with each other. As we're hiking, we're talking about this kind of thing. You get together with witchy people and you're gonna talk about witchy things. Um, and I was specifically referencing um, a friend of ours who you might know from the When Walls Can Talk podcast. So we talk about Jeremy all the time. <laughs> trying to be like, like more a friend of mine um, who's a psychic, who's a medium, who has kind of these, uh, these connections uh, on a more physical realm. And I was talking very jealously about just that FOMO of like, I want to, like, I want to see it. Like, I just, I just want to see something. And I kept saying that like a lot more than I probably <laughs> should have, but I was just like, I'm just so jealous of that, like that knowing. And I just, I want, it's like, I just want a little sign, just a little sign. And I was, I was putting the vibe out there. Um, oops, sorry. I disappeared. Okay, so we're hiking. Um, and you know, our, our day is progressing and we are very, very in tune with what's like around us. We're very present, just <laughs> trying to really enjoy this nature hike. And we're walking and we see there's this we're on a path, we're on a real trail, and there's a little deer trail, like some sort of little animal trail that cuts through a meadow. And there's this like dappily, sunshiny little grove of aspen trees. And that it's one of my favorite visual 
experiences is sunlight through aspen leaves and just that that shaking and that glittering and we were we were sucked in i'm i'm a sucker for an animal trail anyway like if there's a little one i'm gonna follow it off the path so we leave the trail and the safety <laughs> of of our map and we go into this little dapple sunshine section which is just it's beautiful it's romantic it's twinkly it's just it's the vibe right and there in the middle is this beautiful purple flower it's not a columbine it's not an iris it's not a flower that i have seen in colorado before interesting and to be fair i don't have like intimate knowledge of all of the flowers that grow here but it was not one that i had seen so it sucked us in like completely i was engrossed tunnel vision on this flower was like oh my god this is beautiful and I'm like getting so close to it. Like there's just, I have this need to be like completely, like I want to crawl up inside this flower. Like that's the feeling I have. And it's just that like complete, it's that feeling of, of like when you really sink into meditation and you are like fully present in that moment. Like I had no eyes, I had no sound. Like I couldn't hear what was happening around me. It was just this flower. And I go to touch it <laughs> with my little grubby little hands. Cause I just have to, I have to touch this flower and Amber snaps out of it. Whatever reverie we're in. Oh, I said her name. Sorry. Uh, my friend <laughs> snaps out of it and grabs my hand and pulls it back as a swarm of fire ants is like about to take me over. I didn't see the anthill at all. I didn't even know we had fire ants in Colorado. Me either. But once I saw the anthill, I was like, oh shit, how did you not see that this entire mound that the flower <laughs> is in the middle of is covered in insects? Um, and then it was just, it was that we, we kind of, we both broke out of it. We looked at each other and I just started laughing hysterically, like could not control myself. And it was just like, okay, I'm sorry. And then I like verbally was like, I see you. I feel you. I appreciate that. I apologize <laughs> for my ignorance. And we kept on our day. And what was so beautiful about after that fact is, is we kept walking. Oh, we actually, we left an offering when we left there. Um, we had an apple in the bag. And so we, we left an apple and some stones that we'd picked up earlier. And I kind of, you know, I, I thanked them. I apologized for my humanity <laughs> and, uh, and we went along the trail and the rest of that trip was so otherworldly and so magical. And we, I, I felt like we'd crossed into a different space. Um, we stayed off the trail, actually. We went further back into the woods. Um, and our hike back was so unsettling because nothing looked familiar to either one of us. We were hiking back and I was like, I'm pretty sure there's only one trail in and out of here, but none of this is familiar to me. Like I, I felt like we'd completely crossed into some other plane, some other world, and we were just there for hours just vibing and in sync with everything, but it only happened. I, I do truly believe it only happened because of this moment of, of just like body come at me, bro. <laughs> and I didn't mean it in a come at me, bro kind of way, but I, uh, it was definitely, it was an, it was an invitation to, to experience something. And I definitely feel like we did. So it was just, it's really interesting. And I feel like Colorado has um, some really deep folklore that we, we don't really talk about, um, or it's not as well known, um, but just of, of the indigenous creatures and spirits that are residing and, and looking after this space and this land. And I, I did feel 
I finally felt I was the first time I'd like really felt deeply connected to this land and the earth that we're on in this space um, specifically. And so it was just, it was, it was a beautiful experience, but it was definitely, it had moments of terror. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting you say that too, because there was another person in my um, herbal apprenticeship circle who is here from Colorado went on a hike similar to what you're saying, like a, a trail that she knew really, really well, you know, and they just kind of got distracted by something. I think she was mushroom hunting or something like that. And then all of a sudden this complete disillusionment happened and she had no idea where she was, couldn't get back to her car. And she's like, we ended up being miles out of the way, <clears throat> just like that, you know? And she's like, we just took a stroll into the woods and all of a sudden I have no idea how we got so deep into them and so lost, but it just happened. And, and that's the, the common thread I feel like is people can't explain how it happened. Just one, at one moment they're in one space and the next they're not, you know? So it's yeah. so fascinating to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, and it's, it's still even hard to describe just the feeling of like knowing that I wasn't, that I hadn't walked that path prior, you know, where you're like, this is not where we started. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, it's just, it's interesting. Pay attention to what's around you. There's, um, and, and invite yourself to explore the local, the local folklore, the local stories, wherever you happen to have your feet right now, um, because they're everywhere. And every, every culture, every, every country, every space has, has these beings, um, these elemental creatures, uh, and these very unique, but also interwoven stories and and lessons of I don't, morality you know whatever you whatever you get out of them um but I feel like all of these stories can they're all mirrored in each other's cultures in some way uh, whether the names are different you know uh, whether things look different like we all have a lot more of this common connection than we realize which so you know go to the library check out a book <laughs> So Leanne, I'm curious if you have, um, like in addition to the inspiration that comes from folklore and storytelling and travel, I'm curious if you have like a spiritual or magical connection as well that, that kind of influences your art or what else kind of draws you in this space? Um, yeah, so I'm a firm believer in manifestation. Um, the power of positive thinking um what you put out into the world is what you get back so without yeah I do rituals I do I follow yuletides uh solstice equinox um those kind of holidays more than the Christian ones because it makes more sense to me to follow the It makes more sense to me to follow the um, the calendar that follows the seasons as opposed to anything else. Um, so, yeah, I'd say I have my own spiritual practice. If it's it can be something as small as you know sitting down with a cup of tea in the morning, just quietly by yourself to gear you up for the day, or um, when I used to travel with a friend, uh, it's little things like singing. It's really stupid, but 
uh whenever I used to go on a road trip with a friend um <laughs> I used to sing to myself before we set off um you know Shrek and Donkey uh, yeah for, I guess yeah, <laughs> uh, you know Donkey is really annoying and he's like on the road again <laughs> I can't yeah. wait to be on the road again yeah so I sing that to myself before I go on a road trip almost every time and it's just those silly little things that keep you happy keep you grounded kind of thing so yeah little rituals I love that because that invokes like celebration of the the adventure you're about to go on though right like to have oh yeah around it if I'm ever going further than an hour away I'm like yes (laughs) we're doing it possibilities are endless I love that (laughs) uh Sheil what's our time at uh what does it say I don't know it's not telling me a time what time is it well, it's 12, it it'll be 12.15 here, so probably should get wrapping oh, it up. Okay, no, we're doing good. <laughs> All right, so on that note then, um, is there anything else, or, or what's, sorry, I'll rephrase. Um, so what is this, what does this next chapter of life look like for you? Leanne, are you staying in Scotland for a while? Kind of what's your, are you staying until this collection is finished? Um, kind of where can people keep tabs on you? Where can um, where can we eventually see the beautiful things that you're creating? Um, yeah, what's just what's on the horizon? So um, I love Scotland so much that I can see myself being here at least another year. I I feel like I'm only just getting started here. Um, this place has really, really invited me in and uh, put me in the middle of it all. Um, so I'm very excited to stay here for a little bit longer um I'm going to be pursuing the storytelling thing for the next year I'm hoping to get the jewelry collection ready for launch I'm going to say about June or July so the next few months are preparation for that but then even after that's launched I think Scotland's going to hold me just for a little bit longer Mm -hmm. and then I don't know we'll have to wait and see I got a philosophy of not planning things because you can't plan life you've got to be free to flow with how it goes so yeah we'll have to wait and see where I end up but Ireland calls I hear her on the horizon at some point um and yeah so I'm going to be selling my work through uh instagram on a website um the company is metal and dust which is my instagram name um so that's where you'll be able to keep up with what i'm doing and uh where you can find my work once it's finally launched so yeah well this has been such a lovely conversation i've loved reconnecting with you in this way and i i think you gave us our perwitchin slip for this episode um just now in that you can't plan life you can try really hard it's really hard <laughs> to plan every single aspect of it and it's still going to come and happen the way that it's supposed to happen so <laughs> i think just uh you know just taking your foot off the gas a little bit and just letting letting things flow is your perwitchin slip for this week uh be gentle with yourselves there's a lot going on um you know take care of each other and yeah and I love you witches cheers cheers 
Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ouija Boards and Midnight Marks. If you're having a witching good time, we hope you'll help us to grow this little coven. You all know it's us against AI in this algorithm eat algorithm world, so please help us out. Please like, rate, and subscribe anywhere you're listening to us. Also, we want to connect with our spooky, Marg-loving friends out there, so please like and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Links for those profiles will be in the show notes. And hey, be sure to tell us what you're drinking tonight. We love you all so much, witches. Cheers. <laughs>